Here we go, here we go, here we go. You guys ready? Let's have some fun. Got to get back, uh, back in the rhythm here. Uh, let's pray and then we'll talk about a bunch of stuff. The law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. John 1.17. Uh, that'll be today. It'll be like the law was given through Bruzek. Grace and truth came through Gainig. Watch it. That's what's going to happen. <coughs> that's, that's, gonna, that's, that's the only way we're going to get there. Uh, merciful, loving Father, you govern all things in heaven and earth, and you make all things new through your mighty word. So transform our sinful nature and all our doings by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may please you, attain perfect joy, and come to heaven with you in the new Eden, through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, tons of stuff to do here. Um, we haven't been together for a while. Thanks for keeping the discipline and coming back. We'll send this around. Hey, come, please. Good to see you. Uh, that'll go to Haiti. Um, this is where Lutherans are really good, as you know. Uh, we're really good at helping at places like Haiti. Matthew Harrison has got this all figured out. By the way, there's so many little things to tell you. You know, our congregation has um, the opportunity to nominate president and vice president of the Senate. That was, uh, came a while ago. But the only nomination that came from this congregation was for Matt Harrison, who is head of uh, Lutheran World Relief and Human Services. So um, they're busy. We'll get that money. And although I know now people are beginning to ask for things in a crisis, normally what the relief agencies need is money. It's too hard to get things there. Uh, and any things they send needs to be just, just basic stuff like water and food, blankets. So um, we'll send that off. If you want to give more or you don't have your, uh, you know, don't have a, you know, we don't take a credit card, obviously, although we do actually take a credit card, but not in here. Um, you can go on the uh, LCMS website and just click, and there will be a click box to donate. Uh, and they're very good, very efficient. So any questions about that? That's off to Haiti. Uh, thanks for taking care of that. Carol, wherever you are. Um, Yes, thank you very much. Uh, let's see, what else? Did you get, uh, raise your hand if you got the email about the font. Raise your hand. Okay, good. That's fantastic. That's what we need to figure out. If you don't, if you're not getting that, we want to send you stuff. Um, you know, we, we're trying to reduce our paper. Honestly, I'm telling you what I would prefer, you know, I'm sensitive to the amount of paper we spend. What I would prefer in the new place is if we gave everybody a Kindle, I'm not kidding you, as they came through the door and we shot it down to you. Um, just think about that. Or if anybody has uh, a connection with Sony or Amazon or somebody, you know, at Intel who would like to, oh, I don't know, give us a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff as a donation to a church, as an experiment to, because, you know, part of the fun would be if we, we chewed it down into your thing and if you wanted to print it, then you could, you know, send it home to your email address. I'm actually not kidding you. I was doing the math this morning in my head. Um, probably two years of bulletins, we could probably hand, hand Kindles out at the door. Just, isn't, just don't know if, you're, um, if you'd be happy with that. And if the technology changed, I was wondering if you'd be happy with that. You know, so if you had the old Kindle, you know, instead of when the new Kindle comes out that's brighter and bigger, then you'd say, I got the old Kindle. That's so, my church is so behind, you know. Uh, so uh, we, can, we can think about that. Toward the new church. So anyway, if you want the email stuff, we're trying to, every couple of weeks, we're going to give you an update in the bulletin. We'll try to send cool stuff out as we get it. Um, if you come to Bible study, I'm just going to tell you, if you come to Bible study and work there, you're going to be more informed. You're going to be more informed because that's just what's on my mind. I know sometimes people complain that I can't just say things in here, but I'm going to. Uh, because, uh, 
you're here. And you know, it's sort of like if you stay after, after school, you get extra credit. So um, I can just tell you where we are. Um, things are starting to happen. The, the font, obviously, is cast. And it'll be remarkable when it gets all put together. The new pews are about to be ordered. I think we're down to the last jot and tittle. We just need a signature and to send that off, and then it off to some Mennonites in Pennsylvania who will, you know, cut and sand and polish. Uh, and that stuff, that's the longest lead time. We, too, are trying to figure out how soon we'll be into the place. Some of these things have lead times of four or five months. The font was like that. There are very few people who can put the font together like that, so we didn't have, for many things, we're getting four, five, six bids. Um, for things like the font, we might only get a couple because there's not that many people who can do that. The altar is going to be like that as, as well. Um, the pews, there's only three or four places in, in America and Canada that can handle the size of order that we were placing. So we're trying to get things going. Um, we also are trying to pick a time. You know, we don't want to move in on the 4th of July when none of you are here. So, you know, we're trying to be sensitive to a lead times. We're trying to be sensitive to calendar. We're trying to be sensitive to a lot of things. If you come to Bible study and you come, and if you give us your email address, and if you come to church, you'll know pretty much what's going on. Uh, you know, I told this to Women's Bible Study, and maybe to new members, I can't remember. The new uh, pews will have kneelers, because uh, so many people have asked about that. That doesn't mean we're going to make you kneel, but we're going to have to kind of relearn how to do things. For example, if you've got the, if you've got the, the, um, the uh, knee that's now under warranty, titanium, like your driver, <laughs> You know, you may not be able to kneel, but sort of proper thing would be in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. And then at the kneel point, you'd simply sit and sort of scooch forward. Um, the people next to you may kneel, but you should understand the things that happen, like so many things in the church, are not requirements. It's just that um, right now nobody can kneel in the new place. You can kneel if you want, which is to be more open and to give more possibilities. Um, we may have to spend, I've been trying to figure this out, we may have to spend some weeks or months or a year kind of reviewing the liturgy about what each piece work means and how each piece works. You know, we're, we're at very practical decision-making points, like are we going to process every Sunday? Because the space is going to be very different. In some ways, the aisle is actually, we were kind of stunned. Bruce Klein, who has done, you know, whatever we're paying him, it's about a third of what we should be paying him. But since we're a church, we only pay him a third of what we should be paying him. So, uh, you know, but every time you turn around, Bruce has done a new thing. You know, his latest fund is, and if you come to work day, you can see this, he's, you know, on his hands and knees with a magic marker, chalked, I mean, put him, the entire sanctuary design on the floor in real time. You can see right where everything is going to sit. It's kind of stunning. Actually, my big fear was it would be, um, you'd all be too far away. My shock was how close you'll all be. Um, Danny and I will be able to talk less than we do now, uh, you know. So, uh, it, it should just be fun going forward. If you can play on the work days, that would be a good thing. A lot of work has been done. The place looks like you could turn it into a church now. However, there is mess and dust, and I can tell already looking at it, there are going to be a lot of days where we're just going to need to clean. Um, if you can come on Saturdays or Mondays, Saturdays will be the irregular days. Mondays, I think, are going to be regular. And you don't have to have a ton of special skills, although I always admire the guys who are up on the lift with the big things that go... <laughs> You want to be that guy. I mean, I want to be Marty Johnson. Mooma's always up there going with some big thing, you know. Uh, but, you know, I dare not. They took me in the lift one day, and I was surprised how much it went like this. <laughs> you know, so, so they can do that. But if you're the kind of guy who likes to go up there and feel, you know, with a, with a you know, 
that's all yours. So there's stuff to do, and it's going to be very interesting. But we're sort of turning a corner there where I think uh, things are trying to get to the city for permitting in the next week or two. And so once that happens, then we're free to bid uh, from a lot of people and things to move as quickly as possible. Just for your own information, if I had another $5 million, I would be a way better pastor. <laughs> I'd be a better pastor to you if I had about $5 million more million. So if any of you are interested in making me a better man, a better person, a better pastor. Yeah, it did go up surprisingly. I think I was at a million or two. I mean, actually, at 10 million, I could go up for sainthood. Uh, yeah, I could be a saint probably. That would be the first. It'd be the first step towards sainthood, which is there was a miracle done in in your presence. Yeah, you see, which is always the first step. So if somebody gives me 10 million dollars, I'm one third of the way there, aren't I? Huh? Absolutely, that'd be perfect. So. Uh, so anyway, sign up on the 23rd. Come, and they'll find something for you to do. You don't, don't, please don't think that you have to be technically savvy. The guys who can do that stuff, they have saved us, I would think they, tens of thousands of dollars, maybe $100,000 they've saved us in cleaning and moving, and you know, the, the, the lifts have been donated by a member, and blah, 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 the stuff that's you know, plumbing and electric. So many things have just been given to us. But now's the time, because we're sort of turning the corner, and in the next six months, things will be... Um, very, very different. So try to keep up. You'll keep up if you have, give us email, read the inserts that'll probably come on that kind of blue color that was, that came in, I think there's one coming next week on the organ. Um, if you give us email and if you show up in church and if you read those things, come to Bible study. And if you come to the work days, that's, that's probably, you'll, you'll, you'll know more than we do because we normally have new members and aren't always over there. So any questions about any of that stuff? Anybody? Um, we're still bumping and nudging things, trying to make sure that the place is warm and intimate and that things fit together. Um, kind of the overriding thing is we, there's some things we have to have to go in. We have to have pews. We have to have an altar. We have to have a font. We're not going to be able to have everything because, you know, it's a lot of money to have everything. So, but we'll try to, uh, the goal is, my own goal is to have a place where you can walk in and say, wow, this is worth it. You know, we're not going to be able to have every last thing. There may be things that you want that aren't there yet. They might get there next year. They might get there the year after. The basic things that you'll need um, to have a divine service will be there. A font and an altar, um, uh, a place to sit, and, and uh, you know, some beauty kind of around you. But not everything will get moved. You know, things like the stained glass windows, there's a brilliant plan to move these windows, which would be three or four or five hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's just not in the initial budget. But when that comes, um, it'll utterly change the space. So it's things like that we have to think about and work at and get excited about and um, you know see where we can go. Yes, please. The pews, the pews are not padded, but that doesn't mean they can't be padded. Um, if you've been in the, we had a long talk about this. Um, unpadded pews last longer, and this is a tremendous investment. The pews are about one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars, all in. They're gorgeous, and they're, there's a ton of them. I mean, it's hundreds of linear feet. They're not padded for two reasons. One, non-padded pews last longer. I can give you three reasons. Two, because they're curved, they actually hold your back better than these. So if you, you know how you know, your, your Barca lounger at home has a curved back? You know, these, because they have a curved back, they hold your back a little better. We've gone to several installations. We've looked at them. We've sat in and we moved around. The third thing is, if you've ever been down to college church, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you've been to college church for a concert or church or anything, they have pads that lie on top of their pews. 
So if it came to it and there was mass rebellion, blood in the streets, a voters movement. No, no, just, no, just mass rebellion or blood in the streets. That's all I meant to say. Uh, you know you're healing when you can laugh at it. Uh, uh, you could, you could do what they do, which is, and you can buy, uh, you know, uh, pads that sit on top, and then when they wear out, you just move them. It's expensive proposition. It would add ten or fifteen thousand dollars, as I kind of remember, it was ten or fifteen thousand dollars extra to do that. So basically, we're to, to begin. We're just going to ask all of you to just gain weight, okay? Uh, we're going to serve donuts before, and we're going to ask you to gain weight and try to be more comfortable that way. And if that doesn't work, then we will, in fact, you know, use some other possibilities. Question. There should be a corpus above the altar, but that's, uh, see, now that's a great thing. Um, we've got a Polish immigrant iron worker who uh, wants to stay warm this winter by constructing our altar and the corpus. So he's bidding that stuff, and we've got some other bids, in fact, some bids from the people who did the font also, but we think this guy in Chicago, uh, who's a first-generation iron worker and is very good, he's actually mocked up ahead for us this week. But that's a great, it's a, I think the initial bid is like $11,000 for the corpus. Okay, here's the thing. Are we going to have $11,000 after we put in the pews, the font, the altar, are we going to have $11,000 for that next thing? Now, Mr. Lee. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully we will, um, but we'll just have to, or it could be something that would come in a year or something like that. We'll just have to see how things work. So you can see this is a bit delicate for us. It's part of why I'm being so upfront with you. There are some things, you're all going to want different things. You're all going to say, I wish I had that. And you're going to say, why didn't we do that or why didn't we do that? I can just tell you, it's the most basic things, but also we try to make the basic things beautiful. That's where we're going initially. And there are things like the pipe organ, which obviously is a big ticket item. But you know what, to keep musicians to play our hymns the way they were meant to be played, to, um, to draw people into the service, to, oh, you want to hear my Jonathan imitation? To move the air around with notes that make people feel good about what we're doing. How's that? Did I do a good job? <laughs> Ooh, the music moves the air around. It makes you, you have to experience how the air, what? Anyway, it, you're just, you'll just be a better person for having a pipe organ. That's basically what I've heard, okay? So you just, just sort of stick with it. You know, those sorts of things that, that um, you need right off the bat, those will be there and then some things. But the corpus obviously is a big deal. And, um, Mr. Kovic. Corpus is the Latin name for a body on a cross. So um, that's a corpus right there. That's a cross. And then on the old, well, the two behind is a corpus. So you have. You, know, you, have two, you can have an empty cross, you can have a cart with a body. Um, so, actually, thanks for asking. We shouldn't just act like, see, that's part of the thing. Now, we've talked about stuff so long, we always presumed, you know, and stuff, and we shouldn't presume that. We're probably going to have to go back and kind of just go through everything once again. Any questions about anything else? Anything in that direction? So, it's actually starting to be fun. Uh, pay attention, you know. It's always, it's always hard when you have, to, you have to narrow things down, you have to tell yourself someday, some days we can't have that, okay, now we can't have that, and okay, that won't be in the budget. Those are hard days, 
but they're also going to be good days, like on the 23rd when everybody shows up and works together. That's a good day. That's the, the work days are a blast. If you haven't done that, please, you know, please sign up. Even if all you can do is clean, don't worry, there's stuff to clean. It's just fun to see it. It's fun to be part of the game. Okay, everybody okay with that? Questions about anything else? All right, just please, please um, stay tuned. I should have. Uh, can I send this around with you, please? There you go. I don't know how far we'll get today. We need to, um, hi, Betty, how are you? Oh, I couldn't possibly touch money, Betty. That's just one more trouble. Uh, yes, that's Carol's a nice woman, though. She's completely reliable. There you go. Uh, there you go. Unless, of course, I will actually break my, for the five million, I will break the rule. You want to hand me the check personally for that? I mean, that's a, yeah, everything is a risk and reward, and at that point, it's going to be okay. I know, you think I'm just kidding. Could you hand these out for me? Yeah, that would be very kind. Um, here you go. One of the things I've, one of the things I've, um, so I want to do two things today. I want to catch up a little bit, but I also have been pondering um, where we were, and then I've been um, thinking about you and about me. So if you'd open up your Bible to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, please. Ephesians. Thank you very much for, I need to speak up here. You're right. Ephesians chapter 4. And you'll remember um, that we did this. And of course, uh, if I handed out my notes, I realize I have some notes that aren't here right now, which means I've either handed them out to you or I'm going to go from memory. But I think I can go um, from memory. You remember that we were working in the Psalms to begin with. Uh, and um, the way it worked was like this, that we went from evil, which is a very real thing in our world, which then caused anger for us. And then there was a couple of ways of sorting that anger out. You can sort it out a way in the way of justice, which is you're utterly fair, but in the end, the hard thing about justice is it leaves everybody dead. Or you can sort it out in the way of mercy. Now, the way of mercy leaves folks alive, but that feels horribly unfair to us. It feels like people are getting away with stuff, but nevertheless, um, that offers you the chance for growth as a Christian, and that li lets you live then in hope. And ultimately, you live in hope because you know that the Lord someday is going to sort it out. So when you're thinking about the last day, you shouldn't always think about the rapture and people being flicked into the lake of fire and aren't my enemies going to get it in the neck. Uh, you know, what you should be thinking about is the Lord will, in fact, make justice and mercy match, and it'll be the return to the holiness of Eden. You kind of remember that? Everybody, if you were here, you kind of remember that? Um, any questions about that? That's just kind of how, that's how the psalmist talked about it, and that's just a little bit how things work. Um, and, and evil is a very real thing. Now, one of the things I've been interested in, and I was interested when I read, so I'm going to, I'm actually going to, I'm going to erase this, but it was sort of, one of the things I've been interested in is the anger point. This is why I have to be the law guy. Gaining is going to work over here today uh, when we switch places. But one of the things I've been interested um, in the anger point is, I, as I've been watching you and watching myself, um, kind of with all we've been through, and, and I, you know, real honestly, 
I want to be upfront about what we've been through, but I'm not going to stay there forever. Um, you know, uh, some new members asked about, you know, they kind of asked about why, what I was talking about, what I was, I can, you know, I have it down to about a 60 second speech now. So I'm trying to do a pastoral thing in this. I want to recognize all that we've been through in the last 12, 12 months or 24 months. Um, on the other hand, as you know, all that wasn't salutary, so I'm not interested in staying there um, longer than we have to, not because I want to ignore it, but because I want to move on and see if we can be of better use. We, we haven't been a very good use to Christ over the last couple of years. We've had quite a lot of self-focus in all directions. Um, I suppose sometimes that's necessary given that we're human, but uh, we really need to get our eyes up and out and think about other people uh, and other things. But one of the things I've been watching is um, this anger point. <clears throat> and it's curious because there was a time over the last year when there was a ton of that and it was very overt. Um, one of the things I've noticed is uh, there's not so much of that. At least it breaks out from time to time. But it seems to me that there is, and this is what I've been curious about, it's almost like there's this second buffer uh, that nevertheless has kept some of us from breaking through um, to the growth and hope point, okay? And I, I, and I was curious about that, and I was rereading the text that we were working on, and I was kind of thinking to myself, bec um, you know, how to move through that. Because the problem is, is that evil, in very few people, can sustain a hot anger. One of the things about anger is it does, in fact, burn itself out. You just can't, you can't, you can't sustain, um, very few people can sustain anger and hatred at a high level for a long time. In fact, normally the progression, as I've observed it goes, um, it becomes actually kind of boring, even while it's still hot. It becomes boring and almost ridiculous before it sort of burns itself out. However, what I have also noticed is that sometimes it shows up in less vir virulent, but more, or less powerful, but more sustaining ways. And I wonder if you just, I'm just going to read for you, if you've got Ephesians in front of you. If you look at Ephesians 4, um, 25, <clears throat> just kind of listen to this now. Now think about, think about it in this way. Um, think about evil or sin and then anger that results. But then also think about living with each other post-sin. And we've all got them and we've all done them. Um, and some of them have been confessed and some of them haven't been confessed. And Sometimes after they're confessed, we're still a little bit angry. We need to get over that. And sometimes we're angry because they haven't been confessed in ourselves and in other people. So uh, just, just look at this. Therefore, this is Ephesians 4.25, putting away all falsehood, let everyone speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We're still the body of Christ. Be angry, but do not sin. Now, we talked about that. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. It has a shelf life and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may be able to give to those in need. Now you notice how, to kind of spare the reader, he's going back and forth. Don't steal, do some honest work. Don't lie, tell the truth. Um, you're not alone, you're part of a body. He's given this balance back and forth, which kind of goes from angry, evil things to growthy, hopeful things, right? Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good, see, not bad, but this, as fits the occasion, so that it imparts grace to those who hear. 
Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, now the list gets a little longer. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. Now, what's he telling you? For a while he was able to keep the list going. This, that, this, that, this, that. But the reality is our evil pops out in all sorts of, uh, in all sorts of ways. In some ways, I thank original sin for my wife's job. Um, so here's what happens. The government passes tax law, and then she goes to an office in the Sears Tower where all sorts of people try to figure out how to get around that law. Then the government passes another law, and then they find another way around. Then they pass another law, and they find, it's been great. It's going to put my kids through school. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Which is, which is see, you see, this is always how sin works. Sin is always finding a way around, and it never stops. Uh, you know, Neil Young, rust never sleeps, right? For you old hippies in the group. So, um, you know, it just keeps going. But look at, look at, I mean, he just keeps going here. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away with, uh, put away from you with all malice. There's six in a row. Finally, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Be imitators of God as beloved children. So look at what's happened. And I gave it to you on the sheet. I, was, I was started reading this, and then I started to become really interested in um, all these things in the bigger buffer. So I just kind of listed them to you. Um, so here it is. Um, no lies. See? Now this is, lying isn't the same of anger. It can make you angry. But you know, we can tell a lie fairly calmly. Uh, in fact, the best liars are the calmest liars. Don't you love the guys who can beat the... Uh, lie detector. Isn't that great? Now there's a life skill we should teach in our school. So, come on now. All right, so here's the thing. This goes to a very basic thing, which is probably the biggest heresy among the big, at least my top five heresies in this congregation in the past year or two, which is, here it is, you ready? Perception is reality. That is true for salesmen. If you're selling anything, that's true. But for a Christian, that's an utter lie. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he's telling you is I'm not perception. The whole Bible is trying to sort perception from reality. If you're in sales, perception is reality. If, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your customer thinks your product is, say you've got the greatest thing in the world, but your customer thinks it's horrible, he's never going to buy it. You may have the worst thing in the world, but if you can give your, your, your customer the perception that it's great, he buys it. And the problem is when that gets imposed on the church, everything goes awry. Perception is not reality. Perception is anti-reality in the church. Perception is the opposite of reality. Perception is what Jesus comes to destroy, as in uh, your lips are near to me, but your heart's a long way away. It seems like, from what you're saying, that you actually believe in me, but what you're doing, so the perception is you're a really good Christian, but the reality is you're a bum. Okay, it's all over the scriptures. So here's the thing. But this is one of the things I'd suggest to you kind of in this buffer, is per even perception. The opposite of that, of course, is the Eighth Commandment, the Catechism, where it says, put the best construction on everything. So among the things that lie in this buffer, then, is the worst construction. Okay. Okay, now just keep going. The next thing was... Um, Anger, wrath, exasperation, irritation. There's a couple of different words for anger. The one that was used here, so I'll just use irritation. You know, you may not be angry, but um, 
you've got a rash, okay? You, know, you may not be angry, but you know, so you may not be overtly you know, challenging people or saying things about bad people, but you're kind of walking around, this is just a crabby point all the time, right? Just kind of irritated. As opposed to the martyrs in the early church when they died, um, they'd often say, like Paul suffering the thorn in the flesh, I'm gonna talk about it three times and I'm not gonna talk about it anymore, or the martyrs when they'd take them to you know, peel their skin back or set them on fire. Um, he baked like bread. Who was that? First century, starts with a C. They put him in the fire. They expected him to squeal. They said, and when the, and when the flames came up, he baked like bread. This is quiet to a nice golden brown, I presume. So um, that would be different. The next thing would be, and this is so interesting. Did you see that thing? Don't, verse 27, don't give an opportunity to the devil. The word there is topos, which is like topography, like a map or don't give a place. So you actually give a location for the devil to work. X marks the spot. So what you're meant to do is always be pulling the rug out from under the devil. You remember when Kleinig preached here and he said the church is meant to be the safest thing. He said, um, this, he said this building right now is packed with angels. And later I talked to him about that. I said, you know, if it's packed with angels, then there's no room for demons. That's right, he said. He said, from wall to wall, though you can't see them, this space is packed with angels. You can't see them, but what that means is this is the safest possible place because there's no room for the demonic in this place. The only way that demons can get in this place is if you give up your topos, if you give up your space, if you let the demons sit in your place. Because what Christ is doing here is packing the place with angels, okay? So give no opportunity, literally reads, give no location, give no seat. So when the devil comes calling, what you say is, sorry, all full, okay? This is, this is just fascinating stuff. Um, um, no um, 29, you probably use, sometimes the, the text is such a gentle translation. In verse 29, let no evil talk come out of your mouth. The, the, the Greek there is really, let nothing that's rotten or putrefied. Have you cleaned your refrigerator lately? Or let me put it, make it more personal. Why do I always have to clean the refrigerator? Do you know what it's like when you reach back toward, hey, could you get that woman to hold it down right there? Hold it down, I'm trying to work here. Are you the person who reaches back over the carton of eggs into what you don't, and then your fingers like go into that green pepper that's been there for four weeks? You know what I'm talking about? That's the Greek word. This is the Greek word for it right here, which is, so like you sort of vomit rotten things out on people when you talk. That, I can't help it, this is the text. So says the Lord. So you know, so for what's putrid, okay? So, so okay, so just kind of keep going. Um, grieving, offending, or saddening. These are words that, so verse 30, well, I, I can't, you know, by the time you get it out of the translation, I can hardly, I can hardly tell it. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, what that means is, don't create an atmosphere of, of hatred, of unkindness. This is about the feel in the room, okay? So you don't have, a, you don't have an atmosphere of hating or of grief, okay? Um, the next one is, uh, it gets translated as anger again, but it's actually a different word. Let all bitterness, this is like, 
I'm just always peeved at you. That's the word for this. Let all bitterness and wrath, that was a great word. You know why? That's the word, that's the Greek word for a pot on the boil. So not anger is when the pot boils over, but this is the word for when you just sort of keep it boiling all the time. A low boil, right? So um, this is the low boil point, which means you may not be unpredictable, but um, you're just, you're just kind of peeved at everybody all the time. There's always a cloud over your head, and believe me, you're willing to let it rain on everybody else. That's the word. Right, so just the simmer. And this is just, this is just so great. Um, the next word, another word now for anger. Don't grieve those, let all bitterness and wrath and anger. But actually this one is the word for temper or actually for impulse. So I don't know if you know people who are around you, but they're, they're just always this far away from going off on you. You just have this sense they're about to break. And when you, when you do that, that's off-putting. People who just have this aura of, you know, if you get close up to them, you know, they may punch you in the nose or they may say good morning, but it's a coin flip. Okay, that's, that's the word that's used there. Um, beyond that then is the next word for when it actually happens, which is um, screaming a lot, you know. A clamor is how they put it here. And clamor's not a bad word because clamor's kind of a lot of people screaming. Um, or blasphemy is the next word which is to say blasphemy, the technical word for blasphemy is when you attribute something, you steal something, or you give something that's, that's false. So you say, that person is a real blah, or that person didn't, okay? So um, blasphemy is the next one. And then beyond that, ill will. This is, this is, it's sort of, this is, this is um, potential energy. This is all stored up, right? So when I get my chance, I'm going to do it, you know. That's, what, that's the definition for malice. When I get my chance, you know, I'm, I'm biding my time. And when I get my chance, um, and I, then, you know what, real honestly, as I was working through this on Thursday for it, I couldn't go anymore because <laughs> I, I was just exhausted by looking up the stuff. I'm like, I know I, I started, you can see my good intentions. I think I started with, I was going to go all the way to Ephesians 5.20. I was, I was exhausted by this point. You keep going if you want, but I've had enough, okay? So here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. It's not just, and you know, we did okay by saying this. We've got to move out of the circle of anger. It's not just this. There's actually sort of this second circle of stuff, this buffer. And these don't seem quite as bad. They kind of seem like it's under control, like I'm really peeved at you, but I don't do anything or I only talk about you when you don't hear about it, um, or, you know, you may not be able to tell this because I keep my head down and don't look you in the eye when I, you know, I just move the other way or I walk the other way in the hallway, or, um, you know, I may be saying this, but not that you know of. Uh, you know, what happens is, is I, I guess my simple thing is, is it's not enough just to get rid of this, which is what the psalmist was talking about. It's not just enough to sort of, here, I guess my most practical thing, you shouldn't think that our congregation has returned to normal yet. Because we haven't had, um, you know, huge blow-ups in voters' meeting or sort of this and that or screaming and yelling or anybody punched in the nose lately. Um, you're not back to normal until you move through all these other things in the bumper. This, I would just suggest to you, 
is normal life in a lot of churches. Maybe it was normal life in our church, and probably um, we failed as pastors by not preaching more law or putting the law to that. Um, and we're going to have to think that through. Uh, but you cannot have this and have a blessed congregation. You just can't have it. This is all demonic. This is all chaotic. So I just want to observe that. And what I hope will happen, I want to I leave you, I want to at least give you to Pastor Gaining on a positive note, although I'm not going to give you anything yet, am I? Part of the problem is, is um, <laughs> I wonder what he's going to say about me later. Oh, it's all going to be stored up till next week. And when it comes out, it's going to be horrible. <laughs> I probably should just let you go next week. Part of the reason I wanted to actually go in the same time and why we made it 9A and 1B is I didn't want to leave you um, wholly on the law. So let me see if I can save this, and then you can have the whole thing next week, okay? Because you know what? You've been here before, and you know I can never get done. So... <laughs> Here's the hopeful side. What I want, and this is why I want you to be hopeful, okay? I would like to you, uh, let, me just, let me just pair this with something else. What I've, what I've also observed in, in oh, for the last few months with us is the paucity of our confessions. People have been able to make very stiff charges and state very specific things and frankly tell very firm lies for long periods of time to a lot of people and then just say, hey, I'm sorry, as if that makes it all go away. If you've ever read your catechism uh, or been to confession, uh, that doesn't get the job done. That's not a proper confession. And one of the ways you can tell it's not a proper confession is, one, it's not reflective, and two, um, people often, when they do that, just do the same thing again. It's like, oh, you caught me. I'm sorry you got caught. But then it just, you know, two minutes later, it's, it's doing the same thing. So at some point, and Pastor Gaines is going to guide you through this, about what a proper confession looks like, right out of the scriptures. What a proper confession. That doesn't mean, and you have to be, I have to be so careful so you hear what I'm saying. That doesn't mean if, you're, if you've done horrible things and you come to a person you've done horrible things to or you come to confession or you come to church and you sort of burst into tears and say, you know, I, I'm just so sorry for the whole thing. I'm not saying that's not a good confession. That's probably a better confession than, than usual. So I'm not, don't, don't, don't hear me as saying if you don't enumerate every last thing. I'm not talking about the enumeration per se. What I'm talking about is the unreflective nature of doing sins like this by the gross, you know, and repenting by the, you know, single item. And so to move through this, and this is, and we have to nuance this a little bit, we have to be thoughtful about this, but I guess what I'm going to ask you, and Pastor Ganey's going to take you a long way in this next week, it's not enough to just say, hey, nobody's punching in the no anybody in the nose, nobody's screaming. Uh, it's not enough for this just to, just to be diminished or to go underground, because all of this, if this is still happening, just means you're going to rot at a slower pace, Okay? So to move through that means, this doesn't mean we're not going to. This doesn't mean we're not going to do this. This doesn't mean I'm not going to lie. This doesn't mean I'm not going to be angry. This doesn't mean that I'm not going to, you know, simmer sometimes. The important thing is what the catechism says: in the morning and the evening, you have your devotion, you make your confession, and you say to yourself, "I'm not going to let the sun go down not only on this anger, 
with all these little baby angers, right? Which means we need to come to a much more rigorous understanding of ourselves, a much more rigorous confession. And now, this is going to be really important. We need to be much less tolerant of this in our congregation because this stuff hurts. This stuff hurts too, as much as this. You know, this may be impulsive and, you know, get a big flashbang out of this, but this stuff hurts regularly and over the long run. We just have to eliminate this in our midst. I have to eliminate it. You have to eliminate it. And we have to be a congregation that will not tolerate that. Hear me. I am not saying you need to be perfect. I'm utterly on board with Pastor Gaining's brilliant sermon that Jesus is not a pietist. I'm not saying we're going to have some false piety where we sort of, you know, look at people and demand perfection. One of our problems is, is that we demand that all the time. What you don't want to be is a good pietist. You want to be a good sinner, which is you recognize your sins and you spit them out and they get forgiven, as opposed to the wheat and veneer of presuming everything is okay all the time. It's not okay. So I, I want to leave you in a hopeful, I w the reason I want to leave you in gro toward growth and hope is we need to recognize this, all of these things. We need to be intolerant of this in ourselves and others. We need to confess this, and yet we still love each other because we know we're all going to do it. Do you, do, you get the, do you get the distinction? So it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. One of the hardest things in the whole AR thing, and it came up repeatedly, is people expect the pastors to be perfect. Let me just ask you seriously, are you people idiots? <laughs> Look at us. I mean, to expect your pastor to be perfect, you have to be out of your minds. We're human beings, we're flesh and blood just like you. We can't expect each other to be perfect. What we can expect is that people will confess this be intolerant of it, and struggle toward eliminating it. That's what we can expect. That's what we should expect. That's what makes a congregation. That's what makes a community. That's what makes a family. You'll never, ever have a congregation. You'll never have a community. You'll never have a family. You'll never have a marriage as long as you're either trapped here or all this stuff is on the boil. Okay? So the point of all that is it needs to be confessed. We need to reject it in ourselves. We need to reject it in other people. We need to struggle against it, and we still got to love each other. Okay? And that's what it means to stick in. If you've been married, you know, 30 or 40 years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? Questions about that? I'm trying not to be misunderstood. I'm also trying not to sugarcoat it for you. Circle of anger, circle of anger. <laughs> Next week. I know you are. Here, let me see if I can soothe you. 10, 15, next week, this time, this place. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Clamor. Blasphemy. <laughs> yes, Brad. Really? That's exactly right. That, that's actually right. Yeah, that's right. If you were right, it would be a tragedy, but it would be a play. Yes, it would be. All right, questions about anything? Um, keep your chins up. Uh, it's a new day. I mean, we're through Christmas, and we're through um, many difficult things. And real honestly, you know, we're going to, like so many things in life, um, there is a certain sense in which you do create your own reality. You can create anything you want now out of St. John. I just suggest to you um, that you create, create a place that's, that's intolerant of sin, but tolerant of each other, um, that, that despises what is evil, but loves what is good, 
and recognizes in each other that we're always sinner and saint, but, and here's the key, we're struggling to get it right. Not just struggling, but actually struggling to get it right. That's where you want to be going, okay? Questions about anything? Please turn out to work day if you can. And it's not, don't, please don't think it's like, you know, only, uh, this isn't just boys day, okay? And it's not even just adults day. In fact, I'm sure there's several high school kids that could do uh, good. They'd need to be supervised properly. But you know what, to get them involved. But we'll get, uh, sorry, Rich, okay. Okay, maybe we'll check them at the door. Pat, we'll check them at the door. You guys could have a look at them, you know, be regulars. But, you know, we can use all sorts of hands, and um, there'll be plenty to do. So pay attention. Life's good. Um, Pastor Ganey will go next week, and what you'll hear a little bit, I'm sure, is about how to make a proper confession, and then um, how to live in proper forgiveness. Uh, and that's the thing, I just tell you, that's the thing. He'll have a surprise for you. That's the thing that we haven't done very well either. So we're going to have to talk about that. Okay? All right, let's pray and let's go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, see you soon. Thank you so much.